Welcome to the Bible Conversation Podcast with Chris, Dan, and Dylan. Let's have a conversation. All right. Um, howdy to everyone. Welcome to Bible Conversations. We're here with Dan Lang and Chris Carrillo, and um, excited to have another conversation with everyone. To this morning, Chris will be walking us through um, a topic that is um, he is passionate about and that he has picked out, and uh, we're going to explore this and uh, see what the Bible has to say about it as well. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Chris. Chris, let's have a conversation. Yeah, I am really excited about this topic. It is, man, it's something that I have really gone through in my life uh, for better part of better part of my life uh, at this point, actually. Um, be discussing the, the the idea of mental health and and what that is and. Um, how as Christians we are supposed to react to it. Um, so I want to ask you guys, what what does mental health mean to you? Uh, Dan, we'll go ahead and start with you. What, what does mental health mean to you? When I, when I hear mental health, uh, I'm thinking about the way uh, someone can think about something in a in a beneficial kind of way, a, a profitable way that that really benefits themselves and and others around them. That they have a good stable um, thinking process um, that they can rely on. Okay, that's good, Dylan. Um, you know, this is a to me a really broad topic, and probably not just to me, but to everyone. There's so many things that are that go under mental health. Because you can really break it down to, to two things. You're, you can be mentally healthy, but you can also be mentally ill. And I think that's what uh, you'll, we'll be looking at further. But um, even under those, you know, it, there's, there's so many different categories. There's different stages and there's different depths to our mental health or to our mental illness. Um, so I'm really excited to see what um, comes from our study here and, and what we can even learn from the Bible and, and what the Bible speaks to that. Yeah, so I, I like what both of y'all have said, and you know the the idea of mental health is it is broad. It is it is very broad, and you know I've got a book here that I'm gonna just read a quick little snippet from. Uh, the book was written in I believe it's 2013 or something along those lines, but uh, the World Health Organization has defined mental health as uh, a conceptualized state of well-being. Mm-hmm in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. So it's this idea of mental health is, kind of as Dan was saying, a healthy mental state. <laughs> like it sounds almost redundant, but it's a healthy mental state. One thing that we are well aware of in, in, in today's day and age is that not everybody is in a healthy mental state. And I think that really is almost obvious when we look at the physical state of people. You know, like that we have hospitals where people have physical illnesses and physical diseases. And they're, I mean, they're there for days, for weeks, sometimes for months or even years. And we worry about them and we pray for them and we, we visit them and we provide them with things and we do things to help them because their illnesses and their struggles and all of these things are evident, right? Like they're seen. Uh, 
Well, if I were to ask you guys, what what do you think the American population, the percentage of people that has some sort of mental illness? Um, this is again from 2013, but what 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 percentage of the population do you think has been diagnosed? Personally, uh, I think it's probably going to be a lot higher than I I would recognize. My, my whole life, I'll go ahead and just open up here. I, I've never really thought of this as a, a bigger issue until I got off to college and my circle of influence really started to get bigger with more people. And I realized, wow, everyone is not on the, the same level as far as mental health goes. And that was just very eye-opening to me. Um, of course, I come from a background. I was I was a minister's kid growing up in the church. I was um, homeschooled. Many people would say that I was sheltered from a lot of things around the world, but uh, my eyes were open when I got to college and realized there's way more people that have different stages, different stages of mental health than I realized. Um, as far as uh, prefacing what I'm going to say with that, I think the the percentage of people that have mental health issues is probably I would say above fifty percent, maybe even reaching seventy five. Hmm. Okay. Dan, what about you? Well, uh, that's a pretty big, big number, I guess, Dylan threw out there. I, I was, I, I was going to concur with Dylan though, that, you know, probably more than I think about, uh, and, and part of the reason is because like you said, it's, it's different than what you see with physical illnesses or, you know, bodily illnesses It's visible. You see it mental is, uh, uh, obviously it's more inward and it just kind of manifests through behavior. And that's when you start to seemingly pick up um, whether or not that person has maybe something. And, uh, uh, and I guess, you know, I, I guess we're, uh, we're right away. Uh, uh, today, the, the language seems to have changed. But I guess if you were to ask me this 15 years ago, you know, uh, I would have thought of mental health as only uh, the, the big ones, you know, like someone who, who, who just cannot, they, they have that, uh, the, the mental retardation and, and things like that. I wouldn't think of it. I guess we're all, I think we're all assuming it all right uh, already, maybe just because of the, the way we talk about it today now, but I think that's kind of recent, isn't it, Chris? I mean, that we're recognizing mental health, even right now in our conversation more in this, this nuanced way where wouldn't like if we would have asked this 20 years ago, we would have really only talked about people in psych wards, that kind of thing. Yeah. So this, the, the idea of mental disorders or mental illness or mental health, mental health is the umbrella statement, right? The umbrella word for our phrase, I guess, for everything that falls under it. Right. So that's good and bad. Um, just like physical health is the umbrella for everything that falls under it, both good and bad, right? You can be in good physical health, you can be in bad physical health. Well, the same is true of mental, right? So as of 2013, and this is people that are diagnosed, right? And, and, and when we understand what diagnosed means, it, it means that there is a legitimate issue that someone has gone to the doctor and they have been diagnosed, possibly given uh, medication, right? But they have been um, told that they specifically have an illness. Okay. As of 2013, there were 43.8 million people, right? 18 and a half percent of the American population. Now, I think what Dylan's getting at is there are a lot of people that suffer with various things, right? Some people may have a mild anxiety issue. Some people may have 
um, you know, mild mood swings. Those are not necessarily mental disorders. It's not necessarily mental illness. Um, it may be the beginning of, it may just be indicative of a, um, of, of something that's, that's wrong, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there is a, a mental illness. Does that, does that kind of make sense there? Yeah, that definitely clears up, uh, just some of the things that I'm thinking, because the reason that I threw out that, you know, that 50%, um, range or so is because I know there are a lot of people that are undiagnosed. Um, but there's also, you know, very small cases of, of just, slight anxiety and I was kind of rolling all that in there together as well. Yeah. And so this, and this is not to downplay in any, in any shape or form what people feel. Um, but there are definitely varying levels of anxiety. There are varying levels of depression. Um, you know, you, you go out onto the playground as a kid and you get a scrape on your knee. Well, that hurts, but it's not a big deal. You know, it'll be there for a little bit and then it'll go away. But then, you fall down off of the, you know, two story, whatever it is, and you break your leg. Well, that's a couple months, you know, of, of healing. And so there's varying levels in the same way with, with mental illness, with things like that. Um, and so I, I don't want to discuss individual things. Um, I'm, I'm going to share my story here in just a little bit. I'm going to keep it short, but I'm going to share my story of, of coming through some really a mental disorder. Um, and then I want to talk about what, what we can do. So the two questions that I'm going to be focusing on after, after we move through my story is the the first is what is our responsibility to someone who is suffering from a mental illness, from a mental disorder, or even to, you know, if it's not that serious in regards to medically speaking, right, it's not a diagnosed thing. What, what can we do to help somebody with anxiety, with depression, with, whatever it is to where it maybe hasn't been diagnosed, but we know that they're suffering, right? What can we do to help people who are not at their best mental health, right? Second question I want to ask is what, what is the responsibility of the person who's suffering? You know, if, if you're going through this, you know, to our listeners here, you know, if you're going through this, what, what is your responsibility? What is it that you need to be doing in order to be helping yourself? Um, and so anyway, as I discuss my story here, I, I hope that we can, Kind of get some insights into those two questions. And if you don't mind me jumping in here, Chris, I think that the second question that we're going to cover is a very important one. If somebody is struggling from a mental illness, then there are things that you can do to help yourself. And, um, and I think sometimes that that isn't as evident as somebody else helping you, you know? Yes. So. Yeah, it's... And we'll, like I said, we'll get to that in a little bit. It's just, it's difficult for people to know when they're suffering sometimes what to do. Yeah. And, um, and so we're going to, we're going to talk about that and, and hopefully give people some, some help and encouragement. Um, so my story, I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet as, as much as I can. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, I was actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Uh, it's a mood disorder. It, um, essentially you, you go from, from manic, which is incredibly hyper, uh, to depressive, which is depressed. And it can happen within a matter of seconds. And it could happen because somebody insulted you. You know, you were out on the playground having a blast, somebody insulted you, and now you're depressed. And it's not a, you know, I'm sad. It's a, it's a depressed, right? Like it's, you go from these, these massive mood swings from one to the other. And, um, and it makes it difficult, especially as a kid. Because kids already don't know how to handle their emotions. And when their emotions are off the charts, it, it makes it very difficult to handle. And so I was actually admitted into a, a study 
and this was how I was diagnosed with it. I was one of the leading uh, scientists at the time of bipolar. Um, I was given some medication that, that helped me for a little bit. And after about a month or two, it actually backfired. Uh, it didn't work nearly as well, and I started doing worse. Uh, I was contemplating suicide. And so I was sent to the ER um, because that is, you know, committing suicide is, is that starts to get in the physical realm, right? And so, oh, we need to do something about that. Well, after being admitted to the ER, I was then sent to a mental hospital. Um, and I was there. I, I actually don't know how long I was there. But they had me on so many different medications that I hallucinated multiple times and multiple things. In fact, my parents uh, told me at one point I had hallucinated the entire Scooby-Doo cast in the mental ward, which like I look back on it now and it's comical and not comical at the same time, right? Like I'm, I'm looking around for Scooby-Doo and Shaggy and Scrappy. Like that's kind of funny, but at the same time, the reality is, is that's not funny at all. Like I was a 12-year-old kid, 11-year-old kid hallucinating fictional cartoon characters. Like that's terrifying. So my, my parents ended up pulling me out of there. We, uh, we found a good psychiatrist. It took us a while and finally got on the right medication. And, and I took the medication up until I was about 18. Uh, bipolar disorder is one of those disorders in which either you grow out of it or you have it for the rest of your life. And I had been slowly, we had been slowly whittling down my medication and uh, it was looking like I was going to be able to grow out of it. Uh, and so at 18, we, we kind of, 18 or 19, we kind of cut off the medication supply. I didn't take it and I did fine. I didn't have any, there were no adverse effects. I was able to just be a normal person in society without the mental illness that, that had affected me for so long. Um, and you know, I, I look back at it, you know, as a kid, I thought of it as a curse, I thought of it as just awful. And I, I look back now and I realize what a blessing it has become because of the experiences that I have gained, because of the knowledge that I have gained from it and the, the outlook on life that I have now that I can now help and share with others from my story and, and make their lives hopefully a little bit better. Um, so as we talk about our responsibility for others, right? What, what is it that we can do? Right. So what, what are some things specifically, right, that the three of us can do? Let's say we know somebody who is suffering with depression or with anxiety. What what's something that we can do? The the first thing that comes to mind for me is just to to be there for them. You know, uh, we're not all trained professionals. Um, we're, we're not all not everyone is a um, a psychiatrist who can talk through problems like that with with, with folks with mental illness, but um, everybody can do one simple thing and that's be there for those in need. Um, Chris, when you were growing up, your, your parents were there for you. And just having somebody that you can lean on, on the shoulder of that makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Oh yeah. It was, it was so helpful. And I, and I think what you're hitting at, and I'm, I'll let Dan speak in a second, but this idea of being there for someone is, is very accurate, but that's a, very broad, generalized statement. What What does it mean to be there for somebody? What is Dan? What do you What do you think that means? Yeah, uh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, 
you know, depending on that situation, how, how you might be there for them. I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that might mean being there at the hospital, right? Um, uh, if, if they're kids, you know, they're adolescents, it might, it might mean being there with the parents, right? And, and in that way, being, being there for them, you know, uh, that, that whole family. Um, uh, what, 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 what's your thoughts, Dylan? Well, I think it, it can kind of boil down um, a little bit further. Like Chris said, being there for somebody is a, is a broad topic. But what I mean by that is make yourself available. Um, you know, sometimes it, it may even mean like rearranging your own schedule, um, being a good steward of your own time so that you can make yourself available um, to, to your loved ones. You know, it, it's a sacrifice is really what it is. Yeah, it, it, it 100% is. Um, people that that really suffer from anxiety, from uh, depression, from mental illnesses of, of any sort, of any kind, it, it takes effort to reach out to that person. It takes effort to spend time with that person. It takes effort to be there with that person just as it takes effort and time and energy to spend time with anybody else. The difference with that is that the people who are really suffering with this type of, 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 of thing, really, they need it more. They may not want it at the time, and we need to be respectful of their space, but we need to also let them know, as Dylan said, that we are available. And this can't be a one-off thing, right? Like, we can't just say, hey, I'm here for you, love you, and then they don't hear from us for a month, right? Like, that doesn't do it. That doesn't cut it. That, exactly. that could even do more harm than good. Yeah. Because typically people that are suffering from this type of thing, they're not going to reach out very often. Sometimes they will, right? And that's wonderful when they do, but more often than not, they're not going to reach out to us. You know, we, we need to be there reaching out to them in order to, to do this, uh, in order to help them. And so, you know, we say we reach out to somebody, right? And we, we ask them, you know, how, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a while or... Uh, you look down last night. Is everything okay? And they start talking about all these things that are going on in their lives. And, and we realize as we're talking to them, like, oh my goodness, this this is so far above my pay grade. I don't know what to say right now. What what do we do at that point, guys? You know, I took a class um, at Freed Hardman about um, just, I forget the name of it, but it was really just talking about like a, a a personal studying with, with people and and um, and things along along this topic that we're talking about. But the, the main thing from that class was don't be afraid to refer. You know, um, even if uh, as a minister in the church, people want to to come to us to talk, don't be afraid to refer. Don't think that you have all the answers. If you realize that, like Chris, you said this is above my pay grade. Don't be afraid to say, you know what, I really know somebody that you would love talking to. Um, that's the, the most important thing that we have to remember. But the thing that makes that everything is that that requires us to be humble. We have to be humble enough to realize, hey, I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to try to sit here and, and solve every single problem. Um, so don't be afraid to refer. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. I, I don't have much to add to that. Dan, is there anything you wanted to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, and I would add, uh, don't be afraid to say nothing. 
you know, I think there's power in silence and uh, power in simply presence. And I was just thinking of John eleven thirty one when it says that the Jews uh, were with Mary, uh, you know, after the, the death of uh, her brother. And it says that they were in her house and they were comforting her. And, uh, and then when they saw her rise up, uh, they followed her. And so I, I just, I, I don't see any, you know, uh, at least not recorded any dialogue or, but, but there is recorded uh, their presence. And I think uh, that's one of the great things about the point I think that we're making right now is by making ourselves available uh, and, and uh, in presence uh, and being with them, uh, you know, we're providing something to them, even though we may not completely understand the situation. And uh, that was that was actually something I was thinking about right away when you made, you know, you asked the question, uh, if we know someone is suffering from a mental health issue, well, I, I mean, that's like you said, I, I, I'm not a professional either when it comes to mental health. I don't know if I would have been able to discern like your story, Chris, and what you were going through. It, it, would I have ever been able to actually judge that uh, if I had been part of that and witnessed that? But I don't think so. But at least I think I would have recognized that, hey, here's someone that's going through this trouble, this difficulty. There might be more to it. I don't know. But if I'm there for them, if I'm uh, providing my presence with them and uh, it, at least, you know, I don't need to understand everything uh, to do something. Yeah, that's so that that idea there, right, of and I'm going to kind of talk about both of those uh, real quick. You know, this idea of just being silent, being there for somebody, you know, there are going to be times where your friend, it, you know, if they're going through something, they really they just need you to sit there on the couch with them and watch TV with them, you know. Something as simple as that can make the biggest difference in someone's life um, because they know that you're there. Even if you're not saying anything, right? You may not even know what to say. It's okay. You're there. You're sitting with them. You're, you're letting them you know you love them, you know, and that's, that's a big deal. The, the, going back to, you know, what Jesus would tell us to do, that's the love your neighbor as yourself yeah. thing. Think of yourself in that situation. Uh, do you want somebody trying to come in and fix, trying to, to – to fix things, trying to tell you, hey, you need to do this or that. You wouldn't want, most of us wouldn't want that. But what we do want is just a friend. We want somebody to, to love us and to, to just sit there with us and, and to have that company. So love your neighbors as you would yourself. Do, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, um, that just really encompasses how we treat one another. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a big part of it. And, and Dylan, you know, you had mentioned something about um, referring. You know, if Dylan, if, if if I go over to your house and I see that you have a broken arm, I'm not going to try and put it in a splint and fix it. I'm going to put you in my car and drive you to the doctor and help the, let the doctor fix you. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, and and so this this idea that physical health and mental health require two completely different remedies so to speak, is just false. The remedy is the same. They need help. They need assistance. And, and ultimately, it's going to come down to whoever it is that is suffering has to agree that they need help and that they need assistance. You know, if, 
it's using the same example though. And I go over to your house, I see you have a broken arm and I say, Hey, let's go to the doctor. And you say, no, but what am I going to do? I'm not going to try and pick you up and take you there. That's, you know, like it's your, it is your decision mm-hmm. of whether or not you want to go to the doctor. And so for those that are suffering with it, you know, this is where we're going to kind of get into this idea of what, what, what their responsibility is. And, and before we do that though, I want to talk about really one verse from Galatians, Galatians chapter six, verse two, uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So this idea of bearing one another's burdens, there, there's an implicit, there's something that is just implied within this verse. And that is that we cannot bear one another's burdens if we don't know what they are. If I don't know that somebody is suffering, I cannot help them. Right? Does that, I mean, does that make sense? Oh, 100%. And um, I'm sure you're about to expound upon that, but that just, that gets me thinking about how we need to be involved in each other's lives and and not an overly pushy, like, hey, tell me all your problems, you know? Um, But we need to be involved in each other's lives so we can see when, oh, this person is is acting uh, differently than they normally do. I need to check in on them and make sure that things are okay. Um, and then you can bear their burdens with them. I'm sure you're going to expand on that more though, Chris. Yeah. Dan, did you have anything before I, I, start, I kept going? Well, I don't want to sound too repetitive, but again, I just kind of go back to this, uh, I, you know, this, this, what we know versus what we don't know and, and, and maybe how little of significance that really is when we're, when we're, when we're seeing someone suffering, uh, you know, especially maybe this person I imagine might not want to disclose everything yeah. uh, all the time to everyone. But if we just recognize, hey, like you said, Galatians 6, 2, it, that our responsibility is bear one another's burdens. Do we know, can we nuance that burden? And do we need to understand everything about that burden and, and investigate that, you know, and to, to do something, to, to be like Jesus? And, yeah, we... Uh, Something good? I don't think so. I yeah. think we, our our responsibility is just to to help them, to be there for them, and you know, bear. Yeah. That yeah. My my point there is we have to know that there is a burden, right? Like, we don't have to. So if they're you know if their burden is that they just lost someone they love, we don't have to know how close they were to that person. We don't know have to know how old that person was. We don't. You know what I mean? We all that we need to know is that they have a burden, and that burden is they just lost someone. Right? We don't need to pester them about questions about what that means to them right now they're suffering because they lost someone, right? If someone is suffering with uh, a mental illness of some sort, we don't need to know every little bit about it. We just simply need to recognize the signs that are associated with it. You know, uh, you know, the sadness, the, um, the unwilling to speak, the desire to, I guess the lack of desire to go out and do things with people, the absence from activities they're normally at, right? Things like these are just common signs. And when we notice that, that's when we reach out and say, Hey, this is, is everything okay? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just, just knowing that, hey, maybe there is something wrong. Um, and so we have to know that people are suffering. And then from there, we have to be willing to help them. Um, and so, you know, as we, as we get into this idea of the responsibility of the person suffering, um, responsibility they have is not to divulge every little bit of information, right? There are things that, that all of us in this life have that, you know, we're not going to share with everybody. 
there's really two ways that that we handle people and information, right? If if I want to tell somebody something, right, or if I do tell somebody something, it's because I am specifically trying to tell them that thing. If I don't tell them that thing, it's because I am intentionally and specifically omitting that thing, right? Like th- those are the only two options. We either specifically tell somebody something, or we intentionally omit it. There's no there's no middle ground there, right? And so, you know, even if it was an accidental slip of the tongue, we still thought it and we still said it, right? Like it was still, it was still meant to be said. We just may not have wanted to afterwards. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. I'm tracking with you. so the person who is, who is suffering, right? The, the question that I've got is, is it okay to seek help? Like is is it as and, and this is where I want to bring it into to, to Christianity really fully, right? You know, we we've been we've had these overtones of, of the Christian thought and perspective. But as a Christian, is it okay to seek help for, for for suffering with mental health issues? Well, I'm gonna just start off and say absolutely one hundred percent it's okay. <laughs> um way easier said than done, but um, just like you're referring to the, the broken arm. If I'm sitting at home with a broken arm and I know that my arm is broken, well, why would I just sit here and say, you know what, I'm going to, to try to, you know, just put a Band-Aid on it. I'm going to try to, to wrap it in an ACE bandage and handle it myself. I, I don't think that um, that would be a wise decision. So um, what we need to remember is that we can't let our... Um, our stage in life or, or our, um, wh- wh- wherever we're sitting in life, we can't let that affect how we deal with our issues. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, so y- the answer is yes, regardless of who you are, seek help, right? That, that seek help. Uh, one of the things that, that I was, as I was going through and, and reading verses that, that were about anxiety or things, you know, I mean, in Matthew uh, 634, you know, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, right? 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. The reason that, that we see this discussion of anxiety coming up so much in the Bible and the reason that we hear the scripture saying don't do it is not necessarily because it's sinful to do, but because people suffer with it so often. And so it's this encouragement, hey, don't yeah, don't worry about this. God's got it. God's taking care of it. God is taking care of you. And and that's that's an important thing for us to understand. And specifically when we are trying to help somebody, right? If we are suffering, that may not always help. It should, but it may not always help, right? And so the reason I think that that people feel guilty, because people do feel guilty from suffering. Do you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking, Chris. Uh, do, do you want me to stop for a second? And yeah, go for it, yeah. Okay, so I don't want to interrupt you too much. No, you're uh, good. But no, that, that's one of the things I'm struggling, struggling with, uh, I think that people struggle with uh, in Christianity. I think this this issue about mental health kind of throws a wrench, uh, or at least we think it does, in our 
in our theology because uh, our thing, I think our typical thought process is, well, okay, anxiety, well, that's, that's sin. God wouldn't allow us to, uh, you know, have to suffer with something that, that, that's sin, right? I mean, so I think a lot of people in the Christian world, you know, they struggle with admitting that or seeking for help, like you asked earlier, because is this a sin issue? Is this a spiritual issue? Or, you know, can this mental health issue actually exist you know just theologically can it exist yeah Uh, i do think it can you know i do think it can there's some scriptures that come to mind right away you know david pretending madness and of course maybe that word there is the very the extreme version like i mentioned earlier part of this podcast but uh, i think there's implications there at the very least that we see that people's minds can be affected in this this chemical kind of way, this imbalance. And, and I think we can, as Christians, acknowledge the existence of that. You know, is there a point, of course, that anxiety can be sinful? I think we have to acknowledge that too. So yeah. there is this fine balance, right? But uh, Christians suffer with that, don't they, Chris? I mean, just trying to think about this. Yeah, Christians suffer with it because people suffer with it. You know, Christians are people, plain and simple. We, we make mistakes, we have issues, we have struggles. And some of those struggles are anxiety. It is depression. It's some of these things. And, you know, and we'll get to your point about when it becomes sin in a little bit, um, because that is something I want to discuss. But this idea of just having it by extension, right, that that's not inherently sinful. I, I, I cannot find a verse of scripture within the Bible that says anxiety is sinful or anything even remotely close to that. All that it's saying is don't be anxious, but pray to God with thanksgiving, right? Don't be anxious because God has got you, right? Cast your anxieties on him. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, you know, cast all your anxieties on you on him because he cares for you, right? You have peace. Don't let your hearts be troubled, right? It's, it's, it's not saying it's sinful to have it. It's saying you do have it. But cast all of this on God, right? It's it's okay to feel like this for a bit, but you've got to trust in the Lord to bring you out of it. Does that does that make sense? It almost sounds like Chris, you're kind of comparing it even to anger, right? I mean, the Bible says, "Be angry and do not sin." So it's like here's this, yeah, this worry that that sets in, you know, just naturally. But then from there, it's like, how do we how do we deal with it? And uh, especially if it's a situation of mental health, you know, where there's imbalance or something and, and we need even more of a professional help. Yeah, that's... that's... And Chris, that you even started to touch on it there at the end is um, all these verses they were just referencing at the end of them, it, it was, but cast your cares on God, uh, mm-hmm. but believe in God, believe also in me. You know, yeah. everything that Christ is saying is um, don't worry, but instead pray to God. Don't worry, but instead put your faith in God. And that's when it becomes, as Dan was pointing out with the anger, that's when it becomes a problem for us in our spiritual walk is when anxiety or worry or even anger, for that matter, becomes so great that it consumes us more than we are consumed with God, right? Yeah. That, that's what our priority and our goal in life should be. And that's what we should be filled with is with glorifying God. Exactly. That's when it starts to become a problem. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And so this, what what I'm hoping to get across today, 
and and we're going to get to it here in a second, the crux of everything that we've been talking about, right, is a lot of people, especially Christians that suffer with this, their thought process is not only it's sinful, but also I am the only, I'm the only Christian suffering with this. Nobody else is going to understand, right? I'm a Christian. I'm suffering with this. Well, obviously nobody else at church is suffering with this. They all look so happy. They're all smiling. They're all, they're all perfect. But the reality is if 18.5% of people, of adults in the United States have been diagnosed, that is basically one out of every five adults has suffered with some sort of mental health issue. Mm-hmm. One out of every five. In our congregation, we have about 400 on a, on a, on a, on a Sunday, right? Close to 400. Well, one out of five out of 400, that's what? All, it's like 75 people there, a little more than 80 people. 80 people that have suffered have been diagnosed with it. That's a lot of people. And so we are not alone. If you are suffering with this, with any sort of, of mental illness, you are not alone. There are brothers and sisters sitting right next to you who love you, who care about you, who want what's best for you, who want to pray with you, who want to hug you, who want to help you to to get back to your right state of mind, back to being mentally healthy and not feeling like it's just a, a monumental, colossal task to get out of bed, right? To go and see somebody just seems so far away. There are people who want to help you with that. There are people who care about you and love you. And as 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 a person who is struggling with it, your responsibility is simply to seek help in in one way or another. Because as Dan was talking about just a second ago, kind of comparing it to anger, right? Be angry and do not sin. Well. When we allow it to control ourselves, when we allow it to enter into our hearts, as Dylan was talking about, and just let it just flow out from us, and that's all that we focus on, that's when it does become sinful. And if we seek help, then we're not allowing it to control us. We are trying to control it. Dylan, you had something? Yeah, uh, just to your point about how um, you know, at the church you got people sitting right next to you that, that want to help. Um, that that one out of five people are, are struggling with this. We, we have to remember that the church is not a um, a perfect place. That that those sitting um, in the building on Sunday are not the people that have their lives put together. Um, the church is a hospital for sinners. Um, the, those who who decide to to follow Christ and to be Christians are the ones who realize that hey, Christ is the one. That, that can save me. Christ is the one that has all the power and not me. Um, and so if you're looking for for help, then you're going to find it in the church because it, it's a hospital for sinners. It, it's um, a, a place that, that people can, can get help. And, um, and I, I use the phrasing hospital for sinners, I'm not saying that all anxiety and all mental health is, is a sin. I, I'm uh, I use that as, as a reference to it, any kind of help that we may need in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, I believe, uh, talks about this. And this is really where we get the idea of the church being a hospital. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. Uh, but when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And so Jesus has come to heal those who are sick, right? And if Jesus has come to heal those who are sick and Christians are to be following Jesus and living after him, then we too are supposed to be helping heal those who are sick. We are to be helping those. Yeah, that's right. Spot on. It's funny, Chris, I I was just, I'm at Mark 2, 17. (laughs) Same same place, those who are well. And I think think to Dylan's point too, we're not necessarily just calling out people sinners. That's not what we're doing here. But we're setting forth a precept here, a principle that's found in scripture about about healing and 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 looking for that in uh, in the midst of God's people, yeah. and I think that does kind of require a paradigm shift in some some respects, a cultural shift even maybe. Yeah. Uh, from from a previous time, I don't want to be too judgmental, but maybe a, a time where it, at least yeah, the church was the place where perfect people go, not where you know the the <laughs> the, the sick or the the sinner, the struggling, and yeah. uh, and and we need to. You know, get back to uh, exactly, exactly. The ministry of Jesus was to heal the sick, and that's the ministry of the church is to to heal. Yeah, and you know, we we didn't even begin to discuss the cultural view of mental illness, and I I, I feel like we don't need to discuss that. You know, the cultural view is not good. The Christian view is we're here for you. We love you. We care about you, and we want to help you. And so, you know, we, we want to make sure that everybody is aware of that. If you're suffering with something, you're, you're not alone. You know, you're going to be, you are in individually going to be going through something that nobody else has gone through, but you don't have to be alone in doing that. Right? Your, your pains, your, your sufferings are not the same. Even if it's, even if it's death, Everybody has suffered death at some point, right, in, in their families. But the way that you handle it is going to be different than everybody else. And so you may have gone through the same thing, but you're not feeling the same way. Everybody handles it differently. But we want to make sure that everybody is aware that we love you and we want what's best for you. We want to help you. And, and that's, that is the Christian model that we need to be representing is not one of, of judgment in regards to you shouldn't feel that way. It's one of, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Let me help you. I might add too, Chris, you know, if someone, if someone can't reach out within the body of believers and, and find that comfort and that help and that, that hope, uh, you, you might want to question where you're at. You know, I mean, Jesus said by this, oh, we'll know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Yeah. So you might want to question that. Not, you know, always be careful about, I, I would say, being too judgmental. You know, you got to, <laughs> uh, I try to encourage people, come three or four times to the, the church before you, you, you pass judgment because some everyone's different. People, some people are shy. Some people are going. But uh, I, I would think if you've been there and you, you've been for a while and, and you can't find that love and that comfort and you just, you're just finding condemnation and judgment and you might question where you're at that's a really good point yeah um 
Well, I, you know, I think we have, at least for today, covered as much as we're uh, going to be able to. Um, do you guys have any any closing thoughts? No, I just think uh, kind of summarizing everything that we've said is that, um, you know, this is um, something that needs to be spoken about more, uh, more awareness brought to it. Uh, we have plenty of awareness about uh, physical illnesses and, and, um, and physical health, but um, mental illness and mental health, that's a, um, something that has been in the past a taboo subject, but we need to make sure that um, we're doing our due diligence um, talking about it, bringing awareness to it, talking about um, what we can do and what um, uh, whether you're, you're struggling with it or whether you know someone who is. Uh, there's always things that can be done. So, uh, Chris, do you want to just kind of put a little bell on this and then I'll close us out? Yeah. Um, the, the, the little bow is essentially if, if there is somebody that you know who is suffering – if you are suffering, be willing to reach out and help. Be willing to um, reach out and seek help. We don't need to suffer alone. We don't need, we don't need to let anybody else suffer alone. Uh, we are the body of Christ. We are unified in Christ. We are one in Christ. And when one member of the body suffers, so too does everybody else. And if that's the case, then we need to make sure that we are uplifting and encouraging and healing everybody that is in the body. Um, we, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. And let me just, just, before you finish this off, Dylan, uh, just, say, just say thank you, Chris. You know, I've been uh, informed here, I think, better, and we really appreciate you sharing your, your story with us, too. I, I think that's going to be really uh, encouraging and comforting to, to others, so appreciate that. And, yeah, uh, you're welcome. Me know more about this too, and, and uh, be be better equipped. Thank yeah, we you. appreciate Chris taking the lead on this study and and um, and being open and sharing uh, with us and with with you. Um, this has been a, a good study. This is um, again, like I was just saying, something that that makes us more aware and something that we all need to be more aware about. So, well, we appreciate y'all listening in and, and studying this with us. Uh, join us same time next week. And um, we'll be having another Bible conversation. So if you would like to join the conversation, there's um, uh, contact information in the description below where you can leave a comment or um, anything like that to join in the conversation with us. So we appreciate you listening, and I hope you all take care. Mm-hmm.